0: Hello and welcome to This Just Is. My name is Ian and thanks for joining us. Hope you're doing well. We are glad to be delivering another episode even if our delivery schedule may seem a bit staggered at times. Similar to one of our past episodes with Tara Schuster, we are going to be exploring what it means to be creative today but in a different way. In today's episode we are going to be getting into creative identity and how just making stuff can teach you as an individual more about who you are and why you are the way you are. Why is it that in the face of extreme change or transformation in our lives, are many of us drawn to find creative outlets? It's easy to say, well, it's just a way to distract from an uncomfortable situation you're experiencing, and that may be partially true, but what is it about extreme changes in our lives that force many of us to reevaluate our paths, change things, or simply listen to the little voice in our head telling us to do something? Today's guest has done just that. And has a very unique background. Chad Murphy, who is better known on Instagram as the brain behind the hilarious account Lord Birthday, that's at Lord underscore birthday on Instagram. For those unfamiliar, I'd recommend to check it out. Lord Birthday is a very funny and refreshing modern comic strip that is wholly a child of Chad's creative voice and identity, and did emerge at a time in his life when things were really changing for him. It's part nihilistic, surrealist, absurdist, poignant, sad, and happy, all bound together in a very concise piece of digital art. From listicles to multi-cell artwork, Chad fearlessly and relentlessly shines light into the corners of our existence that are scary and make no sense, but are also ridiculous, and he does so in a way that I've not seen before. The artwork itself is very unique, and there is a depth to these pieces of work that I really appreciate and wanted to explore more with him. Chad has an incredibly diverse background that sounds like something out of a movie. We dive into his leaving the Mormon church, having a very famous father, becoming a college professor, and how his creative pursuits came out of an extremely transformative time in his life, seemingly by an unconscious need to discover who he was. Chad is incredibly smart and thoughtful, and just an all-around good guy, and offers some incredible insight into these sort of transformative creative processes. So here he is, without further ado, Lord Birthday himself, Chad Murphy. Chad, thanks for coming on. Can I call you Chad or
1: Lord? Chad's fine. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I answer anything that ends in a D sound. Okay, Okay, good. Chad, Lord. Thanks for coming on. I just want
0: to say I'm a big fan of of Lord Birthday. I think it's really funny and I think it's it's very resonant and meaningful in today's world. And I think that just for sort of posterity's sake, if you could kind of give a little bit of your background of like where you're from, your 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 dad, your your upbringing, your faith and what led you to create this very unique uh sort of internet comic that has been so popular with such a large, large
1: audience. Sure. Yeah. 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 Happy to, um, happy to be here too. Thanks Ian. Um, of course. So yeah, so Lord birthday itself, you know, this was, uh, something that I created in 2015. I'll just kind of give you the, the basic facts, you know, 2015 Mm -hmm. was when it started. And, um, I guess I'm using the, the passive voice there because I didn't, (laughs) it did just kind of start i i didn't really have a sense like that i was really driving this in any you know clear direction i was um had just started my job here at i'm at oregon state i'm a professor in in a, in the business school here which is a little incongruent with um you know the sort of just idea of making this kind of art and this kind of content so i i didn't you know it was not aligned with anything i was doing professionally i didn't really you know, I didn't go to art school. I didn't uh, really anticipate doing anything like this. I can talk more about that, like kind of what led into it. I did study literature and I was interested in writing as an undergrad and as a graduate student. But um, yeah, this particular direction was just kind of on a whim. I started thinking, you know, that I wanted to do something creative. And um, my wife at the time and I had just left the Mormon church and this was a pretty big life change. And there was a lot of questions that I had just kind of about, kind of on an identity level, who am I outside of this system? You know, um, I I felt like I was really starting from scratch in a lot of ways, uh, just on a lot of different levels. And Lord Birthday sort of emerged in the vacuum of all of that. And I I still am not, I can speculate, you know, and I could kind of answer questions about, you know influences and where it came from but it, it was a very um sort of sort of fortuitous and kind of felt kind of like a lucky thing to have have this kind of voice sort of appear because i i i didn't know that that's what i was going to be doing so it did really feel like it just kind of uh appeared one day <laughs> mm-hmm. and i tried to just follow it where it led and this is kind of where it's led surprisingly enough so
0: can, can you talk a little bit about, um, the experience of leaving the Mormon church? And, and I assume that, you know, and I know, uh, I call them, you know, lapse Mormons, um, like lapse Catholics kind of, and I know a yeah, lot of them yeah. and, uh, they're always like the most fun people I've ever met. They yeah. have the funniest sense of humor. I have a friend, Josh and a friend, Rachel, that are people that have like kind of walked away from the Mormon church and they're just like a lot of fun and they have very interesting perspective and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about like that transition, you know, leaving the church with your wife at a time at that time. Like, what was that like? Was it traumatic? Was it freeing? Did you was there a lot of tension between you and your family? Um, did you feel kind of listless? Because I know in the Mormon community it's, you know, community and religion. I mean, the whole thing is tied together, like your family and your mm-hmm. friends are all part of this of this church. It's, it's, you know, it is the community. Um, it's one and the same thing. And so when you walk outside of that, you know, I know that like there are Mormon families that like don't, they don't shun their children necessarily, but there is sort of this thing of you're on the outside now. Is that how it is for you or is it more, they were supportive and understood and you still have a good relationship there or is it, it, do you feel that they're strained because of that? And that has that, and that obviously maybe has influenced this sort of unique voice in your work?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. A great, there's like a lot of, um, a lot of really interesting things you just brought up there. Cause uh, yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's hard to compare to, it's, it's, it's really hard to think of a comparison point, you know, because Mormonism is, as you pointed out, you know, this is more than just a sort of religious system. I mean, it's an all-encompassing life yeah. that mm-hmm. you're in. And so exiting, um, even temporarily, or even trying to get some distance from it, or, you know, it's 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 something you're either typically fully in or you're fully out. Like, there's really not a lot of middle ground there. So um, it was... It, you know, in retrospect, it was a pretty brutal experience. I mean, it, it psychologically, um, it, at the time, I think your kind of survival instincts kick in, and you, I, I think that is part of where Lord Birthday came from was I was, you know, looking for somewhere to retreat into in my mind that I could. Uh, just kind of hide out a little bit and sort of weather <laughs> yeah. the storm. Yeah. And, and try to find, you know, a new network of people, um, new hobbies, new interests. It, it really was a kind of, I think it was motivated initially by like, an awareness of the magnitude of the change that was happening, you know? Yeah. And it is a, it is a really seismic uh, event. I mean, it's, it's truly massive. And it's, it's, Hard to compare to other religions, you know. I've I've have friends who grew up Catholic and then stopped, and it was more of a like stopping process yeah. as opposed you just stop to like, going.
0: You just stop going to church. Yeah. That's, like pretty much it. Yeah, they're like, yeah, I don't, I'm Catholic. But I was raised Catholic. Mormonism <laughs> yeah, is exactly. a different. It's a whole different thing. Um, yeah, a, you can't it, really. It's do. more of like a life. It's like a lifestyle change too. I mean, that's the difference. I mean, you could be a lapsed yeah. Catholic and not much has changed, other than you know you don't go to church as much and maybe you don't celebrate the holidays. But Mormonism is a there's a lifestyle yeah. um aspect to it, at least is the way I understand totally. it. And so it's like I, I'd say the the closest comparison would be like stepping out of like, you know, the Amish community or something like that. Where yeah. it's like you're no yeah. longer um bound to certain requirements. Um and yeah. uh you're now on the outside of this community. Whereas the Catholic totally. church, I mean, there's, you know, a lot of lost Catholics wandering around and yeah, the church yeah, is yeah, always yeah. like, yeah, hey, you can always come back in and sit in confession and we'll, <laughs> you know, we'll welcome you back. I mean, hell yeah. the Catholic church yeah. I could go in there as, you know, as a lapsed Jew and they'll, they'll listen to me. So <laughs> they'll take yeah. anyone, uh, with well, a more, you know, more church is a different, you know, much different thing. The church is, you know, um, I know, I guess that there's, there is an exclusionary aspect to it. You can't just wander uh-huh. into a Mormon, a Mormon tabernacle and say, I'm a Mormon now. Like there's a process there, you know? So, um, for sure. So yeah. I guess that's interesting, but it is, I think that just, I want to touch on one point that you brought up that I think is really interesting that when you go through sort of very difficult situations in your life, um, your brain does this thing where it just kind of, Pushes you through it, and so Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. very interesting that that you found this sort of creative voice as a coping mechanism at the time. And you know, I don't know how much you want to talk about, like, like how much did the your upbringing, right? Like growing up in the Mormon Church, where you don't swear and you don't drink caffeine, and you obviously don't do alcohol or any sort of drugs, or you you have a very sort of uh, defined approach to the way in which you're supposed to kind of conduct yourself. Mm-hmm. And you step outside of that right you you release yourself from that and you create you sort of create this alter ego as a creative channel like how how did that upbringing inform your worldview or inform your ability to create something that is sort of for lack of a better term and you know you can correct me if I'm wrong it's like this like nihilism light kind of like a kind of like a cheery sort of like nothing really matters but you might as well kind of enjoy things a little bit um you know this it's 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 like whimsical sort of funhouse mirror comic strip you know uh yeah comic strip and um and so i i want i'd love to kind of kind of nail down like what informed that were you born with that was it something (laughs) in your youth was it was it fate like what informed your view
1: that way because it's such a unique uh, way to look at the world? Yeah, it's a really good question. So I, you know, I think um, the to to follow up on our, what you're saying, I mean, you know, leaving this system, you can't just stop, right, you do have to become a new person, almost, you, you do feel like, okay, I'm starting from scratch, there's kind of a rock bottom experience. And I think everyone I know, who's left the Mormon Church has passed through that kind of dark night of the soul, where you're mm-hmm. really kind of, varying degrees just really lost I mean you're really you feel like you've been in a time capsule almost and you've just re-emerged mm-hmm. and you're like trying coffee for the first time and you're 35 yeah. yeah you're trying alcohol you know um and you're really confused about just kind of some basic sort of standards around how to live I mean you've been told those your whole life and you've never created them yourself you've just been doing the stuff that you were told right and that structured your life so I think where that was coming from for me a lot of it was I was used to looking for an authority figure somebody in power to kind of tell me how to live Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden there wasn't one anymore and I think lord birthday was my kind of like just sort of demented sort of in in this kind of twisted way. Cause I'd lost a sense of like who I should be listening to. I was like, I guess I'm going to listen to, to whatever this thing is.
0: The um, <laughs> weird voice in your head,
1: the weird voice of it's me. I think trying to figure out through that voice, how to live in a world that now felt really absurd mm-hmm. and just inherently uh, meaningless. I mean, the meaning structures that I was given and really sort of identified with and grew up with those collapse. I mean, like everything collapses psychologically and you have to sort of rebuild meaning from the ground up. And I think that's what was going on for me was I was trying to find some way of making sense of what was happening and Mm -hmm. it just didn't make sense. And that's Mm -hmm. what came out was stuff that was inherently nonsensical and kind of had a logic of its own And in that, uh, sort of bewildering mix, I think I started finding something that was internally consistent, like a voice, you know, that I could say, okay, I kind of recognize some patterns here and the things that I'm making and I could kind of build on that. But it was very confusing for, I don't know, first year or so. Yeah. It's (laughs) almost
0: like this helped you find out who you were that, mm-hmm. that you know you when when all of those structures fall apart and you really do a simple thing right the simplest thing you do it's a very simple thing it's obviously complicated yeah. in its construct but it's very simple you say yeah. i'm no longer going to be part of this community and you walk away from it but within that is such a complicated uh abstract connection to identity yeah and so yeah. that collapses and then you're going oh my god i, I don't I don't even know who I am. I mean, I don't like, who am I in this new constructed world that I've created for myself? And I think it's, (laughs) it is sort of remarkable that within that, you know, um, one year or however long it was, you created this. I, I mean, I like to call it like an alter ego or not even alter ego, but like this inner voice that kind of was in sort of a fun, absurd way, guiding you along and letting you kind of poke fun at this very traumatic, seemingly seismic shift in your life and i and i i guess what i'm kind of getting at is you know i want to talk about why i think it's resonant with an audience and then i'd love to hear why you think it's resonant with with a pretty large audience online but i i feel that there are people that connect with the humor and the perspective within it and i know i mentioned this sort of nihilistic funhouse type of world that you create with your with your you know comic strips or you know like drawings and sure, commentary yeah, yeah. and kind of like guides and little list listicles and you know it's just like this fun unique um way of looking at the world and i think that there are in in a, in a strange way there there's people that the world is sort of taking care of for them and i and I, I think maybe with mormonism that's part of it right you you just know what you're supposed to do you're supposed to get married you're supposed to have children you're supposed to be part of the church you're supposed to be a good member of the community and that's all taken care of for you, right? So when you wake up in the morning and you go to bed at night, you have you have faith and understanding that you're part of this community and that's what you should be yeah. doing. And most of the people who are in that community feel that every day and that faith kind of drives them and propels them through their day. Yeah. And there's a lot of people like that, right? Yeah. And then there's a whole other subset of people that are like, and I, I would put myself in this category, that are like deeply um, terrorized and bothered by the sort of banality and Uh, sort of uh, existential dread of being who we are and living in this universe and trying to find our place and trying to understand why we're here. And, you know, when you lay your head down at night and you start going down, like entering the void, it's like, Oh my God, this is terrifying.
1: Yeah. But it's also a
0: miracle at the same time. And I'm doing my best to find my way. And I think for me, I think that's why it resonates is because there's an absurdity to being alive. There's an absurdity to the systems that we create and the identities that we embody. And so when people look at, at the work that you do, I think people go, oh, this is absurd and weird, but kind of resonant and fun and mean something to me. And I don't know if yeah. you feel the same that you've, you've gotten that sort of feedback from, from your fans, but I just feel like there's a people that connect with the sort of absurd aspect of existence, yeah. but also realize that like, I got to figure this thing out. So I might as well have a little, you know, fun and know that. Maybe yeah. don't take it too seriously and just kind of enjoy as much yeah. as you can, even though it is sort of crazy and strange day to day, and you know, life and the universe throws you very interesting things. So I don't know. That's kind yeah. of a lot to chew on, but I'd love to hear your response to that sort of notion.
1: Yeah, I like. I really like how you you've described that. I mean, I think um, I did encounter that. I think for the first time, for sure, that feeling of like, if if this the whole system that I grew up in and believed is not exactly what I thought it was. Right. I mean, your mind does go to new places and it can get kind of terrifying. Um, mm-hmm. I also though, I mean, I started at the same time, I think through this work, it it is very sort of like, you know, middle to low brow in a lot of ways. And it's not, it's not necessarily trying to, be more than it is i hope not but Mm -hmm. even in the the process of creation even something on this level i think i also started to get a kind of i don't know it was a kind of inverted sort of faith where i felt like if there is going to be any sense of hope or faith that we can cling to it would come through a kind of direct engagement with reality (laughs) it would come through like really passing through this sense of hopelessness and really embracing it. And, and, uh, that did sort of become, there's a kind of post religious religious religiosity to a lot of the stuff that I make. And I think that that connects with people. I know there's like a lot of religious people and a lot of formerly religious people that, that connect to it because there's a sense of seeking, I think in it, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a kind of spiritual yearning almost I think that, that is is hidden in there like it's not it's not really maybe on the surface but it it comes through especially in some of the longer the pieces that i've done yeah and in the books like the second book i think it i it started coming out a lot more there for me but i think that sense of like seeking and kind of um really trying to truthfully and courageously face reality as it is as opposed to the stories you're we're, we're we've told ourselves about reality uh, you know i i think there is some kind of hope in that sort of approach it's a kind of existentialist idea i think that like mm-hmm. it's if there is something beyond this it's it's we're not going to access it except through really going deep into <laughs> into what experience is for us and mm-hmm. uh yeah, that's kind of, uh, I guess, my new my new religious uh, perspective is that, like, we really do have to kind of reckon with some of these more difficult truths about the world and about our lives in order to ever get to a sense of, like, you know, maybe there is something else. But I think I was, you know, raised in a system where, it, you know all of the pain of the world and and all of the difficulty and and confusion and tragedy of the world was really sort of erased from the worldview. I mean, mm-hmm. it was in there, but it was there was always a solution. And you leave that, and you realize, like, well, the solution is probably going to be me. It's probably us. Like we're the yeah. solution. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that there's a kind of hope and a kind of faith in that that I I, I did discover for myself i think in the process but
0: yeah there's optimistic nihilism in the work <laughs>
1: it's very yeah, it's very yeah, it, that's it's right. like yeah you know, right. it might be nothing but if it isn't you
0: might as well have a little fun and learn some stuff you <laughs> know so i think that <laughs> yeah. that uh that's part like a vein in there that i really enjoy with the work yeah i wanted to touch on something that uh trevor and i had discussed before just kind of talking through thematic elements we wanted to brush upon And one of the things that he mentioned to me that really kind of struck a chord is this idea of radical self-acceptance Yeah, and that like, no matter your lot in life, like it's a miracle that you're here and it's okay if you have a nine to five job that you don't love, you don't have to be like a, a, you know, a SoundCloud rapper or have some sort of hustle or anything like it's okay to just be like, Oh my God, it's a miracle that I'm here. And I I have a roof over my head and and relationships with people that are important to me and like that's enough and I'm good enough. And if I want to strive towards things that might be a little bit outside of the norm for me, I can do that and I have the ability to do that. But I should be accepting of my flaws and my abilities and my shortcomings and my strengths and just sort of sit in that and not be sort of reaching for something else all the time. Yeah, you know, in my experience, I I'm plagued by that of always trying to kind of reach for some other thing that I think is going to be better for me, and then you get the thing and you sit with it and you go, oh, this is just more of the same, and I'm still wrestling with a lot of the, the same issues.
1: Yeah, and so yeah.
0: It, it almost as if if you could just sit with yourself and accept your lot in life, not that you just have to sit there and not do anything, but just kind of like sit at the base level, accept who you are. It kind of helps it kind of let, it's very liberating (laughs) to just be like, okay, Mm -hmm. I am who I am. I've had these experiences. My life is what it is. And I can actually build off of this now because I accept like this idea of self-acceptance is very, very difficult. And in our culture, especially now with everything going on, it's really, really tough for people to sit with that. So I was thinking maybe we could talk a little bit about that. Cause there is that in your work of like, you know, here's some steps onto how to have an argument. Here's some steps into how to like, and there's always <laughs> some ridiculous things that you'll put in there, but there's always things that I'm like, that's actually really poignant and kind of,
1: yeah, kind of yeah. important
0: to kind of think about when you are having an argument or you are yeah, you know, yeah. looking at yourself in the mirror and judging yourself. Like there's some ridiculous things, but there's also some important things. So I wanted to kind of talk about this idea yeah. of self acceptance and how that's sort of entered into what you do and, and how you bring that to your, when you're creating this stuff.
1: Yeah. Thanks. I mean, I I love this idea and I I think, I didn't realize this, you know, at the time or as I've been making things, but I think it is just like everything I've made is is kind of immersed in this this concept and and the kind of the struggle of of trying to navigate that. Because, you know, the process for me of of even starting Lord Birthday and kind of developing it was a there was a struggle for involved in that for me. I mean, it was really there were a, n- a number of times I would kind of wake up in the middle of the night almost and be like, so what am I doing right now? Like, this is what I do, I guess. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I, th- So, you know, I, uh, speaking of my kind of upbringing and how this informs it, you know, my dad uh, was a really well-known professional baseball player. He played for a long time. His name is Dale Murphy, and he had a really illustrious career playing for the Atlanta Braves. I'm the oldest of eight kids, so I played baseball growing up. For a long time, I thought I was an athlete. I thought I would just sort of follow in his footsteps. Clearly, I did not. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, it was sort of, I was, uh, you know, I squandered some potential for sure. But I also was just a disappointment, I think, to a lot of my coaches who were like, oh, it's Dale Murphy's son. And then I would just kind of be this gangly kind of weird guy <laughs> It was like, <laughs> Had some of the genetics. I had like 40% of the genetics, but I didn't have the whole thing. So, you know, that was a process of letting go in college and realizing like, well, that's not me. I thought that was me for a long time. Uh, In college, then I became really interested in literature. I saw myself as a kind of like aspiring uh, literature scholar. And I went to a master's program for that and saw myself as kind of being interested in more sort of highbrow stuff and tried writing short fiction for a while, probably 10 years, and that never sort of coalesced into anything. So, you know, starting Lord Birthday was kind of this very odd thing where I was like, what if I'm not the person I thought I was? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the question. And then you I couple that keep.
0: into leaving the church too, which, which yeah, I think exactly. kind of is like a perfect storm. So you have all of this, this background yeah. of, of having an ex- expectation set upon you and then you embodying that and going, oh, I guess this is who I'm going to be. Then you leave the church totally. and then you're like, what if I just start making, drawing yeah. cartoons and making funny commentary? And then that becomes exactly. the thing that you're, that you are you know, really well known for. It's kind of, it kind of is very, in, an interesting journey there. It
1: was wild. It was yeah. wild. Cause I, I had not, I mean, I had, I'm not exaggerating. Like I had drawn a little bit like in fifth and sixth grade. I never <laughs> saw that as like even a. medium i was interested in i didn't read comics growing up no interest in comics i don't even know i've maybe read one graphic novel yeah i've Mm -hmm. read the (laughs) i've read watchmen that's all i've read (laughs) yeah which like everyone else you know i don't Mm -hmm. i've been asked these questions too like oh did you you know do you know grow up like with these illustrators and i'm I'm like retroactively having to read this stuff because i'm like i don't know who any of these people are Mm -hmm. because i i just started doing it and um i this is sort of funny um i had people commenting really early on they were new yorker cartoonists who started following me mm-hmm. and i had had a number of people who were like hey like we you know they like messaged me like we love your style it's kind of like you know it's really childlike and kind of deliberately bad and i was like <laughs> you're like i'm yeah, trying no, it's really hard i, say that. <laughs> I was like that i was like that took me seven hours to like i'm yeah. like no it's just bad yeah. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's still really bad. Yeah, that's my yeah. thing. That's what I'm you're doing. like the
0: Tommy Wiseau of, of comics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Room, yeah.
1: So, so that, yeah, I mean, I think this idea, and I think it's probably true that I think we hang on to certain things in our identity that feel really important to us and we really identify with those things. But when you're put in a situation where you can't hang on to those things anymore, I think you do discover what's actually inside. And that's yeah. a weird, that's a weird process. Cause I was also really interested in music. I was in bands in college and I was really identified with being a musician. And I quit that right before Lord birthday. Also, I kind of quit everything. And I was mm. like, let me just see what medium I'm apparently, I, I felt like I was designed to do something and I just didn't know what the medium was. And so I just, once I let go of that stuff, that was a real lesson for me was that something else emerged once I let go of the thing I thought I was, you know? Yeah. This idea of self-acceptance
0: and letting go. And I've noticed, you know, in my own life, when I stop worrying about things and I just kind of let the natural path of life unfold, Mm -hmm. all the really cool, interesting stuff happens, you know, and it's not about being passive, right? It's not about not making decisions to do things and just sitting back and waiting for life to happen. But you just, you got to trust yourself a little bit. And that's hard, right? <laughs> to trust. Yeah, yourself. So to say, gonna, like, yeah, yeah. How to, do you do to, that? I mean, <laughs> yeah, to trust yourself that you're going to make the right decisions that will land you yeah. in a position where, uh, you know, where you take care of yourself, right. Or, or, yeah. or this other voice can emerge. Right. And it doesn't have to be in the creative aspect of your life. It could be in other, other realms as well. Um, it doesn't mean that life gets easier, but at least you get, I think a better understanding of, of just kind of being patient with life a little bit yeah, and not like totally not pushing too hard. And I mean, the fact that you left a community, you know, stop playing sports, stop playing music. And then you're like, what am I going to do? And then all of a sudden you just start drawing and creating this universe that starts yeah. to resonate with people. I think is kind of interesting. The other thing is like, it happens in such a hurry for you because it almost is like there was no choice. It had to happen right? It was yeah. like at that point yeah. in your life, it just like had to happen. Whereas a lot of yeah. people, I think it's a much more of a ramp, right? You kind of, yeah. you know, if you're not, you know, if people that don't have the background, you do, it kind of takes them a while, it takes them probably a couple of decades if they're on this type of journey to kind of figure that out. At least that's how it worked for me. It was a ramp. It wasn't like one day I yeah. woke up and this, there was this change where it was you. It was like this really punctuated um, moment, you know, or the, the you know, um, you know, a, a year or so of transition in your life. And yeah, I know that that transition doesn't stop, but it's kind of unique that way. Um, I want to switch gears here and talk to you a little bit about social media in general. Mm-hmm. How does social media, in your opinion, how does like what you do creating sort of, uh, for lack of a better term, like meme artwork, right? It has an aspect of that to it. Mm-hmm. Like where does this slot in in sort of the grand scheme of, of like historical pop culture, right? Because it's mm. so – these things travel – more and faster and are more resonant with young people than anything I've ever seen, uh, you know, as as long as I've been alive.
1: Yeah. And it seems to
0: me, you know, that, that there was, I always kind of felt like this isn't, you know, this is just people having fun, but this is like how people correspond with each other. Um, now it's become part of the digital lexicon of communication. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you could be having a conversation with someone and someone could send you a Lord birthday comic cell, as sort of a response to something yeah. and people are now ingesting artwork and, um, and media from, from sort of an, you know, a, an internet personality, which is just as yeah resonant as watching a YouTube video or watching, you know, a TV show. It's, it's all starting to kind of bundle into the sort of zeitgeist and pop culture and becoming part of like, I use this term digital lexicon. And I'm just kind of wondering, like, yeah, as someone who's creating this stuff and who is, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, like, uh, the Lord of their community, the Lord birthday of their community. Like, where do you <laughs> yeah. think this stuff slots in? Like, do, and where does it, where does it evolve to? You know, uh, you know, cause when I look at it, I think, well, this stuff's obviously really important to a lot of people. Um, yeah. and I just wanted to kind of get your take on that because I think it's a very interesting thing to think about.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, I, I haven't thought about this in, in that much detail before because I, in the, in the way you described it, I think there's like, I I love what you're saying about this, the the digital lexicon, because I think that is in part, I think anybody who's making things and putting them online, that's part of what you're doing is creating a kind of micro community, you know, you're creating a language, you're creating a kind of in group, Mm -hmm. you're, you're, I, I started to realize also, and this was part of the reason I remember now adding, I started making lists, but I was doing lists before that in a kind of like, broken way but i started adding numbers to the list Mm -hmm. because i realized what was happening was this was just facilitating relationships between people like people were sending things to their friends sending things to their crushes and other people and like pointing out which numbers Mm -hmm. they liked Mm -hmm. in the list and i started to realize it was like the art was sort of becoming just a way of people uh bonding with one another as opposed to like You just see that in very immediate terms. I think all art probably does that. You know, you develop a taste and you find people with your similar taste. But on the internet, I mean, you can see this happening in real time. It's really weird to watch because you see like people commenting on your stuff that you start to remember some of who these people are. And you're like, oh, it looks like, you know, they're like must be (laughs) dating now or something. Like there's there's like there's a kind of like community that's developing in the context of the things that you're making which is a is a fun thing to be a part of i think that's something that has sustained me quite a bit you know through the the years of doing this and yeah i think in the in the pop culture lexicon i mean i was always interested in kind of meme culture and i think anytime you're making anything on the internet in this format it's going to get associated with you know yeah. internet content which is largely dominated mm-hmm. by memes and I sort of saw that as just as, a, as a, a common framework that everyone understands, and then within that, I've tried to tried to build on the form and tried to expand it, and in the books, have tried to kind of like little by little move that into different uh, territory. But uh, yeah, it's a really interesting. Where does this go? I mean, I think I I, I sort of think this is is a in a kind of post religious. Uh, world which we're increasingly moving into I, I see this almost as a replacement for a lot of these these spiritual communities that we had mm-hmm. before you know now we're online we're trying to share uh, these brief moments of humor or failed transcendence mm-hmm. or whatever it is together and uh, you know I think there's some some things we've lost in the process but there's a lot that we've gained I think by having this immediate, ability to sort of connect with people even though the connection is is a digital one you know and but in the context of art i think that's kind of a special thing to be able to see even though it's on instagram and this is stuff that is you know much Mm -hmm. maligned as a venue you know for this stuff um i think there are a few people that have i've I've tried to emulate and have really i think done a good job of curating their stuff in a way that it's like you know it feels like substantive and like, this is, I don't want to say this is real art, but you know what I mean? I mean, it's got a really, no, it, it
0: is. I mean, I would contend it, so. that it is. I mean, you know, something that I think that that you touched on that's really unique about, about social media and, and artists who are uh, creating things on social media. I follow a lot of, you know, uh, people that do similar things to you. I follow like fractal artists. I follow all different artists and they mm-hmm, have communities mm-hmm. of people that come to them and praise them for their work, or buy things from them, or they've created these 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 communities, um, and they're attached to other artists who have communities, and they kind of share their fans and their followers. And I think that that's something really unique that's never existed yeah. before in the art community. Like, if you're an artist, you had to find a gallery yeah. or a patron to kind of really push your art. Um, and if you were, you know, creating. Uh, you know, comic strip. You had to find a publication to create a pop, you know, a comic strip, and then build a following that way. But that co- that connection was always done through that publication, right? Like, no one had a personal right, con- connection right. to Gary Larson, right? Like he he would publish books, or it was right. in a magazine, or in a in a newspaper, or you know, Family Circus, or whatever it is. So. You know, these these comic, you know, creators, artists can connect directly with their audience. And again, we're not saying we're not saying anything that people don't understand, but that's never existed before. And so I think traditional art communities kind yeah. of malign it like you're saying, like, oh, that's not real. It's like I think it's actually more real than anything because your community can look at anything you create in an instant, give you instantaneous feedback yeah. and, you know, send that work to someone else. A, you know, across an ocean and then they dig it and share it with their friends. And I think that there's actually a lot to be said about that. Yeah. Now, obviously on the flip side of that, you know, you could just go on Instagram and follow, you know, CNN or Fox and, and, and see all of the horrible things that can right. come along with, with, uh, with social media. Um, but I do think that there is like, you know, like anything, it's a tool yeah. and you can use it to do really great stuff like you have, or you can use it to like, you know, push narratives, right. <laughs> you know, and, and control people. sure, right? sure. So Totally. So I think that like, I think people are very eager to kind of shit on, you know, it's not real, you know, real arts going to a gallery and, you know, drinking shitty wine and talking to other people in the art community. And it's like, I don't really think it is anymore. I think it's more like you look at, you look at what's going on in in art right now and digital art and NFTs and all that. I mean, that's where it's at now and that's where it's going. And most people realize that. So, and I kind of want to talk, I want to touch on this a little bit. Um, How has your like mindset work approach to what you're doing changed, uh, in the past two years with everything that's gone on in in this crazy world and still seemingly going on? Like, have you noticed the voice that guides what you do sort of changing? And, and have you noticed that your, your work is reflective more of sort of the chaotic environment and, and how has this had an effect on you personally? And then how you've created this work?
1: Uh, yeah. Wow. So really good questions. Cause I was, I have been trying to understand this myself because, uh, uh, so my second book is called your life is a life of hope. This came out in March 25th, 2020, 25th. I mean, it was right at the beginning, like incredibly mm. bad timing. <laughs> so that you know, I spent two years writing that. Those are short essays, so it was a different format. Full page illustrations. I mean, it was really a lot more ambitious than anything I'd done, and I thought it came off well. I was really happy with it. And this got released, you know, one week into the pandemic, and so everything was canceled. You know, every obviously, you know, all book appearances, everything was canceled. So I, in the realm of, in the s- scheme of things, I mean, this is very minor, but like, yeah, psychologically for me. I wasn't sure what to do after that. And I'm still, I think in a place where I'm trying to understand, I think this has changed me, this experience. Like, I think it's changed probably all of us on in one way or another. And, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I think I'm, uh, I think I'm trying to still figure that out. I can't remember, to be honest, like some of the early stuff I was making in 2019, I have posted recently, but that stuff is from two years ago. Because I, mm-hmm. I kind of have struggled to to remember kind of how to do some of that. To be honest, don't tell Trevor or other people that I'm working with. But like, I, I I think I've lost something. To be honest, I think I I'm trying to. There's something in in the kind of collective trauma of this past time that I was hanging on. I mean, I think for the first six months or so, I was still kind of regularly making stuff. And I think this is another kind of starting over point for me in a lot of ways. And the other stuff mm-hmm. in my personal life that's that's changed quite a bit. I've gone through a lot of life changes in the pandemic. And so I I can remember I can hang on to the thread, I can get back into the Lord birthday headspace, but something is different. And I think I I have a lot of stuff that I've made recently that is I'm trying to think how to describe it. I mean, I think it's, it's slightly uh, longer in terms of the form. And I'm, and I, and I think it's kind of, um, I think it's, it's still got the same kind of absurdity to it, but I've, something's changing about it. And I guess I don't have a good way to explain it yet, but um, I'm trying to figure out where it goes now. I guess that's my, my best attempt at a, transparent answer is that no that's that's, um, <laughs> that's a good answer but i mean i think i think uh
0: you know and this is something that i think that that trevor touched on when we were having a discussion of like i think that a lot of people are are figuring that out not just people who are creating things on you know for an instagram account but also just in general i think that there's a, a general sense of of people of like What do I really want to? What do I want to do? And and who do I want to be? And it's a you know we talk about this radical self acceptance thing. Um, I think part of that is part of that radical self acceptance is an honesty about what you want in your life. Yeah, and and what you're okay with, and what you're what you're willing to change, and what you're not, and what you want your future to look like. Yeah, for sure. And um, and I think that that people have never really had to look themselves in the mirror, you know, uh, that hard and be like what do I, do I really want to live where I live? Do I really want to work where I work? Yeah. Um, do I, do I need all of these things that I've you know built around me for sure? Um, am I in the right relationship? Am I, and, and I think that this collective trauma has given people the gift of understanding that like things are fleeting and temporal and we're renting everything yeah. and yeah. you accept who you are, but also accept that you have the ability to potentially change those things in your life and, and, and and execute, execute in some way to like give yourself a life that you're, you know, you're pleased with and that you're peaceful with. And I think you, you go that way, or there are people obviously that have gone the extreme other way Mm. where they, that's too hard of a conversation to have with yourself. And so, they sink into the news or the zeitgeist or go out into the street and, you know, set the buildings on fire or fight each other or whatever the hell is going on. It's a, it's this, this screaming out of internal uh, strife that we're seeing everywhere. Yeah. Um. So I, you know, I don't, I, you know, I think you see that also with people like just being like, I'm not, I don't really want to work anymore. <laughs> yeah. I gotta yeah. figure out, like, I'm no longer doing this. I don't want to do this anymore. And then there's, I think there are people who are, you know, and I've felt this way of like, You know, I went through a transition where, you know, my employment was sort of imperiled. Mm. And, you know, I had never had that situation in my life. I'd always had a lot of stability. Right. And and then all of a sudden there was this looming sort of joblessness. And I was able to transition to another, you know, job. But during that, for the first time in my life, I was ever like, I am so thankful that I've had jobs. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I never felt that way. You know, like. Yeah, there's this gratefulness of like, I always took that for granted that right. I would have health insurance and have a good salary and have that stability. And I had never in my life had to really struggle with that. Yeah, you know, maybe early on in my career when I was like living in my parents basement, but like, you know, that was, you know, six months or a year. But you know, as a grown man with a family, I was like, yeah, wow, I'd wow. be happy just to have any job, you know, yeah. you know, so I think that there, there's a lot of that. And I think that like, there's a streak of that in Lord birthday too, of like, it's be thankful a little bit. Like you're, you're a little miracle, yeah, you know, you're, you know, um, and so I think that's part of the reason why I, I think your, your work is resonant is there's a lot bundled into seemingly a little.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I think that's, uh, that is an intention that I have is, you know, the, the medium, there's a restriction obviously on social media, but even in the books where I've only had one paragraph, you know, so that, that has forced me to try to kind of, to sort of pack things in as much as I can. So, so I think that's helped me quite a bit to try to figure out how to say things in a way that, that connects, because there's no room, you know, to sort of waste words. You got to really, I mean, like word choice is something I'm, sort of obsessed with probably to an unhealthy degree because I, I like, I'm so used mm-hmm. to not having a lot of space, but I think what you said about, you know, not taking things for granted. Um, and you know, realizing that there is something fundamentally miraculous and mysterious about existence itself that is worth mm-hmm. exploring. However you can get there. And some people do it through art. Some people do it through other kinds of work, other kind of spiritual methods. But yeah, I, I do think that's kind of a fundamental theme for me. And I think that's something that, you know, in the pandemic, I think, has gotten magnified to such a degree, like, mm-hmm. the, just like, what is going on? You know what I mean? Like, this kind of like, <laughs> yes, yes. this question that yeah. used to be sort of, so, sort of implicit in our daily lives, like, the mystery of existence, now, for this stretch of time, where, this collective tragedy and knowing people who are going through such hardship and such tragedy, it just really highlights this, the the fundamental question that's always been there, which is like, what, why is anything here to begin with? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Why yeah. is there nothing? Why is there something at all? And why do we exist in the first place? Why race? are we fighting? Why are we
0: fighting about it? That's <laughs> yeah. the other thing, yeah. too. Is like yeah. if we all if from a base level, we you know, we we all Need to identify that we would all like chill out a mm. little bit. If like, hey, it's okay. No one knows what's going yeah. on. This whole thing is this crazy. This weird. Like, and I think there's, yeah, isn't this weird? Yeah. Isn't this weird to you? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think part of Lord Birthday is that, like, it's like, hey, this is weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, or, can we all be okay with that? That like being alive is strange and existing is weird. Yeah, and also having to operate and behave within these social constructs that have been created. Are insane. Yeah. They're, some of them. <laughs> yeah. When like yeah. you really sit back and think about it, and you're like, wait, there's just like a group of old white men that run everything. <laughs> yeah. Right. And everyone's right. like, yeah, yeah, we're all okay with yeah, that. That's just <laughs> because, what we know, do. It's like, yeah. That's just how it works. You know. Yeah. So it's it is. It, it, there's just so much that you would think about, and then go, eh, well, I guess everything's working, and now nothing's working. And so when you think about it, you're like, oh, this all, all this seems to be deteriorating pretty rapidly. Yeah. Uh, how can I find a little bit of peace within this? Yeah. Um, interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: it's kind of unique. Yeah, And I think, I think that's part of the reason why, why what you do resonates is because I think people just grab on, they grab onto it in a way that it, it, it's soothing yeah. in some, in some capacity. Yeah, yeah. I
1: hope so. I mean, I hope it's just kind of, I try to make it truthful, right? Like, you know, yeah. and then the pandemic, we've seen so many systems and narratives that have been exposed as like fictions right? Where we're like, Oh yeah. Oh, this was not even real to begin with. And I think Uh it's like this weird awakening, right? Like people just like, Oh no, this is just, we could fix a lot of this stuff if we wanted to, but some people don't want to. And I don't know. There's a lot of overlap with stuff I've, I've felt for a long time and I think comes through in the, in the Lord birthday stuff, which is just kind of the, the fundamental strangeness of, of uh, being here at all, you know? and mm-hmm. yeah man, so
0: I, I i relate to that so much i mean i was telling trevor like you know you're carrying your kid out to the car seat and the kid's like punching you in the face and screaming and telling you they don't want to go somewhere and you like you i've had thoughts in my head like what what is my life what am i doing <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i'm carrying this little human being to a chair she doesn't want to go in it i throwing her, in her car i'm taking her, to her place she doesn't want to go yeah like i never thought in a million years this would be my life what am i doing i'm just like <laughs> you know you have these moments of like what what's going on here oh, you know? know and and i think now those moments are happening more and more because you know y- you'll you'll see news headlines come out and you're just like what oh what's i know that, that none of what's going on here you know and and it just you can't hide it anymore you know and i yeah. think that those things are ble- are bleeding into everything and 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 so it's unique that that what you do kind of is highlighting that. I wanted to ask one, I I think this is, this is a really interesting question and something that, that Trevor mentioned to me that I thought was really interesting was that you were very reluctant when you, after you created Lord birthday to kind of share that you were the guy behind it. Uh, firstly with your family, obviously. Um, and I'd love for you to talk about that and why that was like kind of a little bit of a struggle for you. And, and then also like, I mean, you're someone who is in academia. So, so did you feel like there, that maybe there was a threat to you'd be taken seriously as a professor as well? Was that part of it? Like, what was the hesitation? Because you had sort of left a community. So yeah, assumedly you were like, well, I'm just going to do my own thing. So what was it about creating that thing? Were you afraid of like the, the judgment at at large, like writ large, or was it, was there something deeper to that for you?
1: Yeah, this is a, I always kind of forget. I mean, it's it's been a few years now, but yeah, the first 2 years of making things I was anonymous and um, you know, was had no personal information. I mean, nobody knew at all who I mm-hmm. was. Yeah, that changed I did Invisibilia, that podcast on NPR and we <laughs> decided this would be part of the story was for me to sort of say actually who I was, so that was a whole thing in itself where I was like, Oh, whoa, there's like a lot of people that listen to that podcast <laughs> i didn't I thought it was like you know I didn't know people were gonna anyway, so I think you know the first reason was kind of something we were talking about earlier, which was I really the the primary motivation was I wanted to see what was gonna come out creatively. When I did not sort of interpret myself through the eyes of other people, which is something I had a tendency Mm -hmm. of doing. Like, you know, I'm this, you know, white guy named Chad who is into literature. I'm like, who, I mean, I'm going to sort of see myself through other people's expectations of what this person is going to be like. And then I'm not going to be interested in what I have to say (laughs) because I wouldn't want to listen to somebody. Uh, with my you know attributes necessarily I would be kind of like oh great like a guy named Chad like could it be worse mm-hmm. could there be a worse person I'd want to <laughs> listen to um, or read Chad's stuff I was like first of all it was the name I was like man this is not uh... so th- what was happening though is I, I kind of had a picture of myself where I would right in a particular way based on how I assumed other people were looking at me or how they interacted with me in my social life or, you know, and I needed to get away from that. I I really wanted to see what's going to emerge when I just nobody knows who I am. I'm not sort of like, um, you know, trying to conform to any expectations that people have of me or no assumptions about the things that I would make. And so creatively, I just wanted to see what would happen, you know, kind of a a blank sort of space. And uh, it did have a huge impact. I mean, I was writing and saying things that I just never would have said under my actual name. And I don't know fully why it just kind of like there was a freedom within that. And there was a kind of um, ability to be open to parts of myself that I wouldn't have been open to if I would have been operating under the kind of Chad Framework, you know, so that was the big yeah. reason. There was some other practical things, you know, just kind of, um, yeah, you know, I'm a professor and I was like, I don't know if I like to do it. Students don't students following me. There's kind of a boundary thing where I was like, this is a separate part of my life and, um, it seems like I should keep that separate. But yeah, the, the main one was just creatively. I did want that freedom and I wanted to see what would come out if I, um, you know, just sort of change the whole, the whole sort of conceptual apparatus of who I am. And that was huge. I don't think it would have worked actually without that anonymity. I think I would have been stuck to start. Yeah. yeah. You mean
0: to start because it, yeah. it gave you the freedom to create what you created. And then once you were sort of comfortable with that, then you're like, okay, well, I have this base level of, of, of things that I can, I can work off of. And now maybe it's, you know, we'll kind of see what happens
1: once people know that it's me. Totally, totally, yeah. yeah. And then that was a hard transition, though. Like once people knew it was me, I I did have to kind of r- make things differently and kind of think differently. But yeah, my family. um, I think that was just. You know, I was gonna ask, like, what did your dad? What did what did, what, did, what did Dale Murphy say when he was like? okay what what is this son like was he was he was
0: he amused by it like what how did he He how did your your mom and dad
1: respond yeah they liked it a lot I mean I think they um they're very sort of open and kind people and you know my dad is from Oregon he grew up here so he's got you know a Portlandia sort of streak to him which is not well known Mm -hmm. that you know he is he like he likes kind of weird stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean there's there's yeah. kind of a uh I come from a line of of pretty eccentric um Pacific Northwesterners, I think. So, uh-huh. you know, it's in, it's in the family a little bit and so it wasn't like yeah. totally out of nowhere. I think people were they liked it a lot. I think it it still was kind of an adjustment like, wait. So, yeah, my my sister for example was had been following me from the beginning and didn't know it was me. Uh, that's that's kind of cool, that was, and I had a brother also yeah. who was following me, and he is uh an animator, so he he's a visual artist and does that professionally, which I don't do, and didn't know at all what I was doing at the time, and he was really surprised he's like you know he's like, so is this like clip art? I mean is this like public domain art, like who did the drawing so I was like, oh no i I did those, <laughs> and <laughs> my sister was a pretty big fan she's 13 years younger than me and so she was pretty stunned I mean I I was not somebody who was on her radar of like you know a person who would make this stuff so um Mm -hmm. I just texted her before the podcast came out and just gave her no context and just said oh yeah by the way I'm I'm lord birthday (laughs) she was like (laughs) what she was so surprised uh, she called me immediately she was like I don't even understand what you're saying to me right now like (laughs) what is that yeah you say that sentence again um so yeah it was interesting for sure very cool yeah
0: well this has been this has been awesome Chad thank you so much for sharing sharing your your backstory and sharing about Lord birthday and talking about you know where it slots in and uh and and what you're up to now and uh yeah i really appreciate you being so open and hearing more about your your artistic and creative process and yeah this has been wonderful so thanks so much for joining me i really appreciate
1: it yeah absolutely thanks for having me and it was a great time uh great chatting with you thanks so much I hope you all enjoyed our
0: discussion with Chad. Pretty incredible journey, and I really appreciated his openness and willingness to discuss these very personal issues. But honestly, what would you expect from Lord Birthday? He's going to tell it like it is. If you're interested in learning more about Chad and his alter ego, Lord Birthday, once again, please follow him on Instagram at Lord underscore birthday or go to LordBirthday.com for all things, well, Lord Birthday. I think it's always valuable for us as people to hear the lessons learned on a person's creative journey we can take pointers and anticipate some of the many obstacles that we may run into in our own paths by listening to others share their journey. We will be back hopefully sooner rather than later. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this just is.